1: Hello, Texas. Thank you for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Jessica Dommel, and I'm part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star States. We're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley.
2: Things are looking greener around the Texas High Plains right now, thanks to our recent rains, but drought management planning is always a good idea for area ranchers. I'm James Hunt, and I'll talk about that on Texas Ag
3: Today. Late spring rainfall resulting in wet fields hampering Central Texas farming and ranching. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
1: We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. The definition of which waterways fall under federal jurisdiction will soon change again. Wednesday, the Environmental Protection Agency announced it and the Department of Army will redefine waters of the U.S., sometimes referred to as WOTUS. The current definition, or the Navigable Water Protection Rule, has been in effect for less than a year. It was crafted and implemented under the Trump administration. It stated that for a waterway to be a water of the U.S., it must fall under one of six categories. It also clarified six types of water bodies that are not a water of the U.S. Former EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler said at the time, the goal was to make sure that property owners can tell if something is a water of the U.S. or not. He said those rules clearly defined the differences between federally protected wetlands and state-protected wetlands while providing certainty the American public needs. That rule replaced a definition implemented under the Obama administration. Agricultural organizations and states sued to block that rule's implementation, calling it government overreach and saying even ditches could be regulated by the federal government under that rule. Current EPA Administrator Michael Reagan told reporters in April the administration will not revert to the Obama administration's rule. Zippy Duval, president of the American Farm Bureau Federation, said the group is extremely disappointed EPA intends to reverse the environmentally conscious navigable waters protection rule. He said that definition finally brought clarity and certainty to clean water efforts. EPA says they've determined the current water rule is reducing clean water protections. They say they plan to develop a new rule that defines WOTUS and is informed by a robust engagement process. Despite recent rainfall across much of Texas, ranchers should still be preparing for the next drought. James Hunt reports from Amarillo.
2: If you look at the latest weekly update of the Texas Drought Monitor map, you'll see conditions have greatly improved across the Texas High Plains in recent weeks. But anyone who has lived in our region very long knows we are always vulnerable to prolonged dry spells. And Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez says that's why it's important for livestock operators to develop a drought management plan. A key consideration, Dr. Benavidez says, is stocking rates many ranchers simply have more animals than what their operations can truly support
4: overstocking is a scourge that we see nationwide i mean if you have the number of calves that you think your land can handle you're probably actually a little overstocked a lot of people fail to take into account the ungrazable acres any sort of elevation change that isn't really grazeable or really dense scrub patches that don't really have a lot of forage Most people are at least slightly overstocked, and long-term, that's what causes us to lose forage faster than we expect and forces us into some of those conditions that maybe are optimal.
2: Dr. Benavidez will give a comprehensive presentation on drought management planning during an upcoming meeting to be hosted by the Roberts County Extension Office. That free event is Thursday, June 17th in Miami, and subjects Dr. Benavidez will talk about include strategies for supplemental feeding, culling, and marketing options, and how to use the Pasture, Rangeland, and Forage insurance program.
4: It's a really strong program. We see it as a really important part of any risk management strategy for cow-calf producers, and I'm a really big fan of PRF.
2: For more information about the upcoming AgriLife session on drought management, contact the Extension Service. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network
1: rainfall in may and june may be delaying some farming practices in central texas tom nicoletti explains
3: We go to Bell County in Central Texas, and Michael Moon is my guest, and uh, he is in the town of Holland where he raises beef cattle and oats and winter wheat and hay. And, uh, Michael, uh, certainly uh, you folks have uh, received quite a bit of rainfall, like many people in Central Texas and other areas of the state. About how much rain have you received over the last uh, given period of time?
5: We've received probably close to six inches.
3: Okay, and how has that impacted your uh, livestock operation and uh, also the uh, harvesting of your winter wheat? It's
5: made things difficult, muddy. Wheat operation, we can't get in the field. I'm afraid some of the wheat is going to be sprouted. We're still going to harvest anyways, but uh, it won't be marketable. And uh, as far as the cattle raising, it's just got to watch for hoof rot and a couple of other things. Uh, Cattle are having a hard time bogging through all the mud.
3: Now, certainly uh, stock tanks and uh, other uh, water reservoirs uh, in your area have to be uh, at, their, at their fullest at this point.
5: Yes, they are. Groundwater has reached its max. Most of the ponds are running over. At least all of the dry creeks are running right now. So it's, it's really good for us.
3: What about the the grazing conditions otherwise? Certainly, uh, you've got to have some uh, lush pastures out there.
5: We do. We need to be cutting hay now, too. Probably what's going to happen is we'll need to cut wheat. We'll need to cut oats and we'll need to cut hay all at the same time when it does dry up.
3: That certainly has got to pose uh, some uh, additional challenges for you to try to do all three crops uh, simultaneously.
5: It will. We're having a hard time trying to find help. And uh, the people we do, we're work to the bone right now. And, and trying to find help is almost impossible at this point.
3: As I understand, if the hay has too much moisture in it uh, when, you, uh, when you bale it, that could uh, reduce the quality.
5: One of the problems as far as quality is the hay should have been baled four weeks ago. Rain has caused it to get overgrown. It's going to be hard to uh, dry out. We'll have to run tetters, We'll have to cut and then run a tether through, dry it, and then rake it and bale it. It's going to take a lot longer, a lot more fuel fuel prices have gone up and take more manpower uh, more time we're just waiting for it to dry up and wait that way we can get in the fields uh, one of the other problems we're going to have is uh, fire ants right now or all the fire ants are really high in the soil profile we're going to be hitting mounds cutters aren't going to cut combines aren't going to want to cut the wheat notes because we're going to be on the ground too Balin's going to be the same way when we cut the hay we're just going to be streaking so hopefully we can get some dry weather in the next week or two and uh, we can get at least started, see how it all works out, make it a little easier on us.
3: That is Central Texas rancher Michael Moon. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: After suffering from drought over the past few months, farmers and ranchers on the South Plains of Texas have received some rain. Tom Nicoletti and Eddie Griffiths join us with more.
3: Eddie Griffiths is standing by in West Texas, where excessive moisture is a focal point of the story there. And Eddie, those two words have not uh, been used in the same sentence for quite some time in your region of the state. But surely welcome news for agricultural producers.
6: Definitely welcome news, Tom. And we went from one extreme to the other, from drought conditions to the, the bottom of the sky falling out. And now we're just trying to dry up and get a lot of these crops in with the excessive moisture one thing we still are lacking we've gotten the moisture we're still lacking some of the heat units needed to uh, warm this ground up to expedite germination and and get crops out of the ground whether that be cotton corn or sorghum get that germinated up and growing but we definitely have gone from one extreme to the other and we are expecting more moisture as deadlines start approaching for insurance purposes on planting.
3: About how much rain has fallen generally over the area.
6: I have personally locations that have received anywhere from six to almost eight inches of of rain at this point. So you can imagine, flyers are pretty full and ground is pretty saturated. But that's pretty much kind of what we needed. I'd like to have had it spread out a little bit more, but we'll take what we can get when we can get it. There's still quite a few acres yet to be planted, so that's probably something to keep an eye on is these acres that we're lacking here in West Texas, getting those into the ground. They'll get into the ground, but it's just going to be a little later crop than what we are accustomed to, which was prompted by the dry conditions and not being able to get it in any earlier.
3: That report is coming to us from Eddie Griffiths out in West Texas.
1: We have an update for you on the ransomware attack on JBS. JBS reportedly paid $11 million to the hackers behind the attack. At the time of the payment, most of the company's facilities were operational. However, in consultation with internal IT professionals and third-party security experts, the company decided to mitigate any unforeseen issues related to the attack and ensure that no data was exfiltrated. JBS USA leadership stated the payment will prevent any potential risk for the customers. The hacker group Revel initiated the cyber attack that shut down JBS packing plants for at least a day. Upon learning of the intrusion, the company contacted federal officials and activated its cybersecurity protocols, including voluntarily shutting down all of its systems to isolate the intrusion, limit potential infection, and preserve core systems. The company is not aware of any evidence that any customer, supplier, or employee data has been compromised or misused as a result of the situation. If you get stopped by a Texas game warden on a public waterway this summer, there are a few things they'll be looking for. We'll have more on that coming up next. Caps born during a difficult birth should be considered high risk for other problems. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery.
2: Visit Texas Farm Bureau insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation.
0: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Calves that survive a difficult birth may continue to have health issues in the future. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd joins us with more.
7: After a difficult birth and the calf seems to be doing fine, you may think everything is okay, and that may not be the case. A study at Colorado State showed that calves born with a difficult birth went on to develop scours and respiratory disease in greater numbers than calves born of normal births. And the survival rate for calves born of a difficult birth was also less than those born of a normal birth. So it is a good idea to pay close attention to these calves that are born with a difficult birth over the first two to three months of life. When these calves are born, they need to breathe within 30 seconds, and if not, they need to be stimulated to breathe. Immediately, sit the calf on its sternum, clear the nostrils of mucus, and stick a clean piece of straw in the nostrils to stimulate respiration. The straw in the nose will cause some calves to gasp and shake their heads and breathe in. Promoting circulation by vigorously rubbing the head and body is a good idea to wake these calves up. This stimulates blood flow and respiration. Most folks do not rub these calves hard enough as they're afraid of hurting them. But rubbing should be aggressive as well as moving the joints. Lots of calves that are born of a difficult birth have low muscle tone and cannot regulate their temperature as well as a normal calf. Because of this, any calf born of a difficult birth should be moved to a warm area and at least monitored as going off and leaving these calves is not a good idea. Calves delivered with a calf puller may also have bruising and may not want to stand and nurse like other calves. So continuing to monitor these calves after birth is required to save these calves. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: If you plan to go out fishing or boating this summer, be sure to check your safety gear before hitting the water. Texas Game Warden Captain Logan Griffin explains what game wardens are looking for when they stop boats or personal watercraft.
4: It's going to be the Texas Water Safety Act and all the stuff that's outlined in there. I'm just going to touch on the high points. Anybody has any questions, our website is really, really kind of the first place to start, tpwd.texas.gov. We've got tons of links to fishing, boating, the entire and complete Water Safety Act, and it's got all the very, very specific information. Primarily, the safety inspections that we do. Any boat on public waterways is eligible to, to get checked, and realistic the big things we're looking for are the safety features. So make sure there's enough usable life jackets for every person on board. Make sure anybody under the age of 13 on a vessel shorter than 26 feet is currently wearing the life jacket. We'll also look for the type four throwable. I always call it like the Gilligan's Island thing. You know, we're looking for a fire extinguisher that's working, sound producing device. And after we do all the safety equipment, required safety equipment, then we're gonna go ahead and check the registration of the vessel and also the small certificate of number
1: If you're fishing, game wardens will also check to ensure you have a valid fishing license.
4: Beyond that, then we're going to, hey, you got any fish on board? Yeah, we've had some luck today. Um, At that time, you know, hey, we'll take a peek at the fish and that's when we're checking for some species, make sure you know we're within size restrictions and possession and, and daily limits for each species.
1: That was Texas Game Warden Captain Logan Griffin. You can find current regulations on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Drought is impacting corn, wheat, and cotton in some states, while too much rain is impacting them in other areas. How did that impact our futures on Friday? We'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and the financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
2: Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees. In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta.
0: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
1: Corn, wheat, and soybeans traded lower Friday, allowing feeder cattle prices to trade higher for the first time in quite a while. But let's start out with our live cattle. Live cattle for June up $1.12 to 118.70. Live cattle for August up 147 to 120.02. Live cattle for October up 157 to 125.77. Feeder cattle for August up 277 to 151.17. Feeder cattle for September up 262 to 153.52. Feeder cattle for October up 235 to 155.47. Boxed beef traded lower for much of the day Friday. Choice was down 48 cents to $337.77. Select was down $4.89 to $305.51. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
8: It's time to head to Fredericksburg up in the hill country. Talk to my friend Wayne Guyswide about the cattle sale he had there on Wednesday. Wayne, how many noses did you count?
9: Well, we had right at 1,000 head. Larry. Cow market was probably $2 to $3 higher. Few cows up in the 80s. Lots of good cows bringing 70 to 80 bulls up to a dollar two. cow market, I call, 500 pound upstairs, 2 to $4 higher. Lot white cattle called it about steady, and the heifers about steady. What was really active, 550 white calves and yearlings up to oh, 170. Few five whites right on top of five bring up to 75. Six weights in the low 160s, mostly 155 to 160. Even if the weight go oh, up to 665 or 70, you know, like, you know they were dollaring out over a $1,000. Few seven white cattle bring up into the 150s eight weights up all uh, topped out at kind of 137 and a half weights uh, in the mid 150s five weights the mid 140s six weights all uh, up to 132 and seven weights uh looked like up to right on top of 120. the good cattle really had a lot of interest had a lot of buyer participation uh some of the plainer cattle you know they were just kind of so-so Yeah.
8: what do you anticipate next week both sheep and goats and
9: cattle wise well, I'm sure the sheep and goat runs are going to stay pretty good, three to 4,000. Uh, cattle sales should jump up around 1,000, maybe a few more. I've got a truckload of steers and heifers, probably way around 6-ish on the steers, 5.50 on the heifers. Uh, they're all Angus. They'll be really good. Should be 65 or 70 out of them. We're working on trying to get 1,000 or better next week in the cattle sale.
8: At Gillespie Livestock, Fredericksburg. Wayne, guys, White. tell everybody how to contact you. we
9: 997
8: I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host. Good day.
1: Lean hogs for July down a dollar thirty-five to one nineteen ninety-seven. Class three milk traded mixed for much of the day Friday. It could be because block cheese was down fifty cents to a dollar fifty, but barrel cheese was up six and a half cents, so that could have had an impact on it. Class three milk for June up four cents to seventeen twenty-four hundred weight. Class three milk for July down six cents to seventeen fifty-four a hundred weight. We started out the day with cotton trading mostly lower on Friday. We ended the day with cotton trading mixed. Cotton for July down 36 points to 87. Cotton for October up 8 points to 89.34. Cotton for December down 29 points to 87.92. Corn for July down 14.5 to 684.5. Corn for September down eight and a half to six twenty-nine and three quarters. Corn for December down six and three quarters to six oh nine and three quarters. Wheat harvest is underway in Texas and that may have had a bit of an impact on wheat futures on Friday. The World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates report on Thursday also lowered carryout for wheat. Wheat for July down two and a quarter to 6.38. Hard red winter wheat for September down two and three quarters to 6.45 and three quarters. Soybeans were lower Friday due to a bearish WASDI report on Thursday. The U.S. Department of Agriculture increased the ending stock estimates for both old and new crop soybeans on Thursday. Soybeans for July down 35.5 to 15.08 and a half. Soybeans for November down 20 and three quarters. To 1438 and three quarters. Natural gas for August up 13 cents to 330. On Friday, crude oil once again ended above $70 a barrel. Crude oil for July up 49 cents to 70.78 a barrel. Crude oil for August, up 40 cents to 70.49 a barrel. Now let's take a look at those financial markets. The Dow down 28 points to 34,438. The S&P 500 up one point to 4,240. The NASDAQ up 23 points to 14,043. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dolmol. I hope to see you then.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.